Chapter Eleven of Venus Boy by Lee Sutton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleven: The Friends Are Separated. Johnny was hot and sweaty. He was glad to see the cool, dark cave ahead. It was like home to him by now. The mother leopard was lying in front of the cave, and the two cubs came running to greet them. Hi, Pat. Hi, Mike. He called. They came up to be petted. They seem happy to see us. Baba clicked as he bounced along. And I'm glad to see them, Johnny said. Golly, I'm hot. Baba and he had just been down to the river trying to find a place where they might cross. Immediately after the long Venus night was over, they had gone exploring in hopes of finding a colony of wild marva nearby. But the only diamond wood groves close to the cave were still too close to the settlement. The marva must have left them because of the danger. The two had gathered a good supply of nuts for Baba, but otherwise the trip had been useless. Though they were still afraid of the horned river snakes, there was no way of avoiding crossing the river. If they went downstream they would soon be in the Rhinosaur marshes. Upstream the river curved back toward the colony. Johnny and Baba had spent the whole long night in the cave, and Johnny had got to know the leopard family quite well. He had discovered they too had something like a language. It was made up of different kinds of growls. Each growl meant something, but there weren't many of them. The mother leopard could say things like come or go to her kittens. She had a different growl for each of them, though Johnny named them Pat and Mike. Throughout the time Baba was asleep Johnny had practiced these growls until he could talk a little in the leopard language. He had also taught the little ones to like meat-fruit roasted over the open fire he had had to light to keep warm. All three cats had been afraid of the fire when he had first lit it. They soon learned it was harmless if they didn't step into it. They were very smart animals but by no means as smart as Baba. Baba was just as clever as a person. All the rest of the animals now seemed friendly, too. Johnny thought he knew why. Not only the leopards, but all the animals could talk. They couldn't say much, but just enough to tell one another Johnny wouldn't hurt them. And all of them could understand the Marvel language. He and Baba talked about this, but they weren't yet ready to take a chance on river snakes. The snakes stayed deep in the water and struck before they could be seen. It didn't seem likely that they would have learned Johnny was a friend. Baba was going to go down to the river by himself. Perhaps he could find one of the horned snakes and bring it back with him. Then Johnny could make friends with it. If what Johnny thought was true, then the snake would tell the others and he and Baba could float safely across the river on a log they had found. After patting the mother leopard on the head, Johnny took off his pack and laid it in the mouth of the cave. "'I think I'll go over to the waterfall and have a shower,' he said. "'That's not such a good idea,' Baba said. "'Stay here. I won't be gone long.' "'Oh, stop worrying, Grandfather,' Johnny laughed. He was stripping himself down to his shorts. The three leopards sat on their haunches watching him. They were fascinated by his clothes. The first time he had taken them off they had been almost afraid of him. "'I'll take Mama Leopard along with me for a guard,' Johnny said. "'You tell her, Baba. 
Maybe I can growl better than you, but she still seems to do everything you say." Baba clicked directions to the leopard. She was to go along with Johnny and protect him. When Baba was through clicking, the mother leopard came over and licked Johnny, making a growling sound that meant she understood. Then with a wave of his paw Baba bounced away toward the river. Johnny was happy to see him go. Baba himself had suggested that the trip be taken. It was the first time he had ever offered to leave Johnny for such a long time. Johnny loved the little bear, and it was fun in the jungle, but he couldn't help wishing he were home. The waterfall was not much of a waterfall. A little way from the leopard's cave was a small spring high up in the rocks. A tiny stream of water fell about ten feet, making a great spray and quite a little noise. It made a wonderful shower. The mother leopard lay on the rocks below while Johnny climbed up to the waterfall. Johnny danced about as the cool water hit his hot, dusty skin. It felt wonderful running all over him. Then he walked into a pool and splashed happily. Then Johnny began to sing. With him the little waterfall sang a tinkling, merry tune that blotted out even the chatter of the birds in the surrounding trees. It did not blot out a coughing roar that came from the mother leopard. Johnny knew that sound. It meant, Come! Johnny stopped singing and looked down. The leopardess was on her feet now, looking into the sky. Johnny looked, too. A helicopter floated soundlessly overhead, its jets off. Johnny looked around for some place to hide. There was none. The mother leopard crouched. Her muscles rippled under her black and gold skin. In one mighty spring she was beside him. Before Johnny knew what was happening, her great jaws opened and closed around him. The long saber teeth barely touched his skin. With no more effort than if she were carrying a feather, she leaped through the air with Johnny in her mouth. When she landed Johnny's feet thumped painfully against a rock. Where she was holding him about the middle in her teeth he was unharmed. Johnny heard the roar of gunfire as the helicopter's motors were switched on. Still carrying Johnny in her jaws, the mother leopard leaped in pain. Johnny was tumbled to the ground, half-dazed. A very shaken Johnny watched the mother leopard run away a short distance, then turn and spring back toward him. A second later she was standing over Johnny, putting her body between him and the helicopter. She roared her defiance at the machine. Johnny marveled at her courage. She started to pick him up again. The helicopter was getting into a position where it could hit the big cat without hitting Johnny. In a few seconds the courageous animal would be dead. "'Run, friend pet!' he clipped loudly. "'Run! They won't hurt me! Run!' She looked down at him and growled in a questioning way. Her muscles tensed and, with a great spring, she was gone. The guns roared, but the leopard's last bound carried her safely into the brush. Before Johnny could get to his feet the copter was beside him. Two men in armor and head globes jumped out. "'Hurry!' yelled the pilot from inside. "'You just grazed the leopard.' One man grabbed Johnny by the heels, the other by his shoulders, 
With one swing he was tossed heavily onto the floor of the copter. The two men jumped in after him. The armored door clanged shut. The motors roared and they were going straight up into the sky. Johnny lay quietly on the floor for some moments. He was still dazed by his fall and by the sudden turn of events. "'That leopard was crazy,' one of the men was saying. "'I never saw one come back like that except for a cub.' Johnny looked up into the face of the speaker. It was a thin, narrow face with full red lips and small black eyes. Johnny didn't know him. "'That was a narrow squeak you had,' the hunter said to Johnny in a high nasal voice. Two minutes later you'd have been leopard food. Are you hurt?' Johnny sat up slowly, moving his arms and legs. "'Uh-uh,' he said. With the whine of the motors the copter went into a hover. It floated over the spot where they had picked up Johnny. "'What in the name of all the moon devils were you doing out like that, stark naked and no armor? Taking a bath?' Johnny was too bewildered to make up an excuse. The man raised his black eyes to heaven and looked at his companion. "'Crazy!' he muttered. "'But, kid!' he addressed Johnny. "'What made—' "'Skip it,' the pilot said in a low, hard voice. The black-eyed man stopped abruptly. Johnny decided the pilot must be the leader. The man turned around and looked at Johnny. He was a large man, slope-shouldered but powerful. His blond hair was slicked down against his head. Two long red scars cut across a white, heavy-jawed face. His eyes were so pale they were almost white. "'Where's the bear?' he snapped. Johnny was silent. They were after Baba. "'Come on, kid,' the low voice said again. "'Where's the bear?' "'He ran away,' Johnny blurted out the first thing he could think of. "'I've had an awful time. We got lost in the jungle, and he ran away right at first. I lit fires to attract attention and keep off animals, and the rains put them out and my matches got wet. I've had an awful time, and—' "'You ain't seen nothing of the bear,' the scar-faced pilot cut in. Johnny crossed his fingers carefully and looked the big man straight in the eyes. "'Not since right at the first. The pale eyes bored into his. Johnny's eyes dropped down. "'The kid's lying,' the big man said to the others and turned back to Johnny. "'Okay, kid, let's have it straight now.' But no matter how much they questioned him or how they threatened, Johnny insisted he did not know where Baba was. Finally, Ed, the blond, scar-faced leader, gave up. He turned to the others. "'You guys search the ground,' he commanded, while I call in to the boss. He turned and dialed the radio telephone on the instrument board of the copter. "'Hello,' he said. "'I want to speak to the boss.' There was a pause. "'Hello,' he said again. "'We got the kid. Found him where Stevenson thought he saw the fire.' Johnny heard a voice coming back over the instrument. He thought he recognized it, but he couldn't make out any words. "'No,' the pilot spoke into the instrument. "'The kid says the bear ran away, but I think he's lying. We're going to search from the plane. Can't send anybody down because of the leopards. One had the kid when we found him.' There was another pause. No, not hurt. When we're finished, I'll drop him at the colony. There was a long pause. Johnny caught the words. 
If I know that bear—' And then there was more he couldn't catch. "'That's a smart idea,' the Scarface man said. "'We'll do just what you said. Okay, be seeing you.' The pilot turned back to the other two, who had binoculars trained down into the jungle. "'See anything, Marnie?' "'Not a thing, Ed,' the black-eyed man said. "'You, Shorty?' The other man shook his head. "'Not even a bird.' For over an hour they searched. While they were searching, Ed, the pilot, put in another call and told someone else what had happened. He hinted that even if they didn't find the bear, there was still a way they might get their hands on him. Johnny sat with his fists clenched. He knew they would shoot if Baba showed himself. After an hour went by and the copter had gone over every foot of the surrounding territory, the men had to give up because they were running low on fuel. As they went higher up, Johnny peered out. The copter veered Venus east, away from the colony. At that moment Johnny's heart sank. The hunters weren't taking him home. Baba would have seen the copter come and go. The little bear would think anyone finding Johnny would take him back to the settlement. Johnny knew just what the little bear would do. He would go back to the settlement looking for Johnny. Johnny had succeeded in keeping those hunters from getting Baba. Now the colonists would get him. Or would they? Suddenly Johnny knew whose voice that had been on the radio telephone. The voice was that of the traitor Willard Harkness. End of chapter 11